Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State football podcast, which, as always, is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I am your host of the Cowboy Chronicles, Scott Wright of the Oklahoman, joined by columnist Jenny Carlson, coming to you from Houston where Oklahoma State will play Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl on Friday afternoon. We got to visit with some uh, some players and Coach Mike Gundy, Coach Jimbo Fisher, who talks way too fast. <laughs> I, I, was, I was sitting seven feet away from him, and I could not keep up with all the things he was saying. He talks so fast. Even seeing his mouth move while he's talking, yeah. sometimes you just be like, wait, what did he just say? Yeah. And I, I'm glad I actually ran across some um, ran across some audio of him from the day that this bowl matchup was announced, and it reminded me how fast he talked. Otherwise, mm. I think I would have been really surprised when he right. sat down and started talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a fast talker. Yeah. It's it's one of those, you know, uh, we recorded on a, an app that allows you to play back at, at half speed. And I think it's going to sound like a normal person talking when I go back and play it back at half speed. It's really, it's, it's really impressive how fast he talks. Yeah. He's like the, uh, the, the micro machines guy from, uh, from, from when we were little. And, uh, I don't know. You probably weren't no, into I, micro I, machines. I but. remember. And I, you know, if you think about it, I wonder how many times he took a breath right. during his press conference. What do you talk? Eight, eight or 10 minutes? Yeah. As he was talking, you know, I bet he could talk for a good, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds without a breath. Yeah. At one point, to. he kind of stopped to clear his throat, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he stopped. Right. What? Is he yeah. okay? Yes. <laughs> he was, but yes, he, uh, he he packs a lot of words into a very short amount of time. Yes, he does. Um, probably the most important news that actually came out of uh, this uh, brief encounter that we had with uh, with coaches and players was the, um, the news that Colby Harvell Peel, Oklahoma State's uh, defensive MVP, according to their uh, players and coaches, and um, and their only defensive All Big Twelve representative on the first team, will not play in the game. A knee injury suffered on that final play of Bedlam that caused the crazy ending with the clock runoff and all of that stuff. Um, so he is uh, he is out for uh, for this ball game. Has been around the team and still involved and and is down here. Being a guy from College Station, probably a game he would have liked to played in. He was no doubt. Uh, he was not recruited uh, all that all that heavily by Texas A and M. Did not have an offer, um, you know. So uh, it's one that uh, Oklahoma State plucked out of A and M's backyard and is and has turned out to be a uh, a pretty impressive player. So yeah, a guy that was a, if the ball. I think Mike Gundy made the comment if the ball was tipped or on the ground, he was probably. There was a good chance he was going to come up with it. Yeah, very ball hawking, very much uh, attuned to that sort of thing. 
you know, I'm sure some of it was a little bit of luck, but you can't get that many turnovers, uh, especially second half of the season. I mean, it was right. it was really, really impressive what he did. And, you know, he'll, he'll be missed. He's a guy that um, I think that there's a lot – that safety position – you know, it, it doesn't feel as um, it doesn't feel as deep as maybe some other spots on the Oklahoma right. State defense, but I don't think they're in terrible shape. But man, you don't want to lose a guy of that of that quality. Right. And then, uh, of course, compounding the issue there, Trey Sterling out for the first half after the uh, targeting call that uh, he was flagged for in Bedlam. So you'll have two guys starting at safety that have uh, – well, Tanner McAllister started a game earlier this year, but um, but two guys who, who haven't played a ton. Jason Taylor II out of Carl Albert, who Jim Knowles spoke very highly of uh, a couple of weeks ago when we visited with him, um, said that you know he's a guy that's r- right on the fringe, right, right there pushing for playing time. But to get him playing time, it means taking – Colby Harvell Peel or Trey Sterling or Jarek Bernard off the field. And they're so good with those three guys out there that it's uh, it's tough to do that and get those guys extra playing time. Probably the – I mean, it's never good news to have a guy who, who gets hurt with a serious injury. And obviously this one is because we've had such a delay between end of the regular season to now. But if, uh, you know, if this, is, uh, if this is a chance to maybe use some other guys, you know, Oklahoma State had a chance to – to practice, uh, you know, the whole bowl right. practice series um, the, the, that they were allowed. You know, it wasn't like this happened earlier this week. Right, yeah. You know, and they suddenly had to adjust. Um, you knew that um, the way that the Cowboys have done bowl practices, young guys were going to get work early. Yeah. So it just meant more work, um, you know, early and, and continuing on. So, you know, we, we saw last year in the bowl um, some guys out of the secondary get uh, injuries, and I think there was an ejection for targeting last yeah, year, too. Yeah, uh, two of them during the yeah. game last year, yeah. So they were running a little bit on fumes at that position last year and uh, did pretty well. I think they found some guys that, you know, had a, had a few plays in them here and there. So uh, they're just going to need more of that this time. But again, it wasn't as spur of the moment as that was last year in the uh, in the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Uh, now, Mike Gundy, um, not today, but in, in the past, had mentioned uh, when he was asked about filling the void of Trey Sterling, um, who who might you know help fill in there. He brought up Kima Siverand, who began his career at Texas A and M. So it's kind of would be, that would be fun to see him get on the field a little bit more than uh, than just his typical special teams work. And wasn't he one of those guys that came in in, in uh, reserve last year at the mm-hmm. Liberty Bowl? He was. Then did he get ejected? I believe he did. I believe he also got ejected <laughs> after after he came in. Okay. In uh, in place. Of, they uh, they need that they need that replacement value without the ejection. This yes, time. exactly. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that uh, that sec- what that secondary looks like. Jason Taylor is a guy that obviously a lot of people around Oklahoma City are very familiar with because of the great career that he had at Carl Albert, really a standout player and uh, just looking for an opportunity. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good guys ahead of him, but uh, this is an opportunity to start making an impact and and could be a a difference-making type of uh, chance for him. You know, this this reminds me a little bit of – it's going to date me. It was the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma State. I think the year they played Missouri the – First time? No, it was, uh, I think, Ole Miss that, that day they had all the, the turnovers between them. Uh, yeah. I believe that was the year Parrish Cox got uh, suspended right before the game. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought, oh my God, you know, they've lost this great defensive back. Right. How are they going to make up for it? 
guy named Broderick Brown came in and played. Yeah. And people will remember, obviously Parrish had a great career at Oklahoma State, but Broderick Brown had a pretty good career too. Yeah. And that day at the Cotton Bowl was his hello Cowboy Nation moment. And yeah. he really did a, a good job that day. So, you know, just because things don't go as you expect, it's not always the end of the world. Um, so, I mean, maybe this is where we look back in another couple of years and say, ah, that's where Jason Taylor had his had his coming out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely could be. All right, let's take a break, Jenny. You're uh, you're going to be writing about Chuba Hubbard. You got to visit with him today. We'll uh, we'll talk about that here on the Cowboy Chronicles. Right after this break, we are presented as always by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. Jenny, as I mentioned before the break, you got to sit and visit with, with Chuba Hubbard for uh, six minutes, and they were very particular <laughs> about those six minutes. They were, uh, they were calling out minute warnings as we went along. Yes. Uh, final question warnings from uh, over in the corner of, uh, of the room. It was... Uh, intense. Uh, it, was, it, was intense. It, was, it was intense. People were asking questions at a, uh, at a rate that I have never seen in a press conference before. Um, but uh, but you got to you got to visit with Chuba. You're going to write about Chuba. Um, you know he's been uh, he's been sort of he became the face of uh, uh, he had been a face of the offense. But uh, Tylen gets injured, Spencer gets injured, and he became the guy. It was like we were wanting to talk to him every chance we got, and he's been incredibly accommodating. And, and we uh, it was great to get to uh, to visit with him again today. But um, but how was uh, how was the six minutes with Chuba today? It was fast. Fast and furious. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, a couple things stood out to me. Um, I did ask Chuba Hubbard about uh, his his NFL grade, which, uh, you know, anybody that is even remotely interested in, in leaving college early for the draft can requ- request mm-hmm. information from NFL teams. He said he has gotten his grades back, but he wasn't going to tell us anything about him, which right. is fine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's for him to to uh, share as he as he wants. But um, I, I don't I don't necessarily know if that's ultimately going to I just just to you know, running backs are different. Right. Not a lot of running backs taken real high. So to me, I'm not real sure that's a that's a be all end all for him. Right. Now I will say this: this is the first time that Chuba Hubbard has had any long rest period. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the carries that he had by you know the first the I don't know October fifteenth. Right. Just throw out a random date. Yeah. He had a lot of carries by mid October mm-hmm. and just kept up a really frantic pace for the Oklahoma State offense because, as you said, Scott, no Tylen Wallace, no Spencer Sanders. He became that guy that they really leaned on, and he was he was able to, to carry a very big load for them. So for him to have been, you know, almost a month without playing a game, mm-hmm. and as we know coming out of Bedlam, Mike Gundy made a, a point of saying, we're not going to let him do anything for like two weeks. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what does he look like 
fresh. I mean, it'll be the first time since the start of the season that he's had yeah. this much rest on his legs. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about it. This is a guy who had over 30 carries against Tulsa in uh, in a game when they didn't necessarily have to do that. Um, but, you know, obviously there were there were dictating factors and, and they were sort of trying to feel things out with Sean Gleason and he was, you know, understanding how to use the weapons that he had at his disposal. But, um, yeah, the, it's going to be really interesting to see if there's that uh, that zip back in uh, in his step, the, mm-hmm. the the ankle tackles that caught him those last couple of weeks of the season, uh, if, if they're still there or if he's able to, to – slide through some of those holes a little bit more easily and uh, and get back to the big plays that were such a big part of uh, of his season you know he uh, I don't know if I ever really heard him talk about being tired you know if anybody ever right. asked him during the year you know I'm fine I'm okay mm-hmm. you know all that stuff and then that's what you know most players will say um, but he did say today he said you know there there were some times that you know I was a little fatigued yeah which of course how could he not be? Right. You know, I mean, you can be in the best shape, you know, of all time and still with the volume of carries that he had, um, it's almost impossible not to have been fatigued. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think I think the fact that um, he was, um, you know, he, he acknowledges that, um, you know, said he feels a little bit different. So, yeah. you know, I just, I again, I don't know what that's going to look like because, again, there's still no Tylen Wallace in the pass game. How Spencer Sanders going to look if he is out there, and if is he going to be out there an extended period or not? Right, right. How does that all play into what Texas A and M does or tries to do to slow him down? That all remains to be seen. Yeah, and um, you know I've written about this a, a couple of times actually, including uh, my my pregame blog that, uh, that that went up on on Friday morning or Thursday morning, excuse me. Um, Texas A and M gave up. 129.1 rushing yards per game uh, over the course of the season, uh, but they lost a really big piece of that with their with their uh, just uh, their, their defensive tackle, uh, whose name I cannot pronounce and I'm not going to try because I'll <laughs> I'll mess it up. Um, but That's he fair. he left he left early to go to the NFL. I mean, this is a, a big time defensive tackle that uh, that is is now missing from the middle of that defense and. Uh, you go back and look at at several of Chuba Hubbard's best uh, big play opportunities that came right up the middle. So that is uh, that's going to be an important factor, I think, in uh, in what he's able to do in uh, in this game. And um, I, uh, you mentioned that he he has received his his draft grade. Didn't talk about it. Um, I assume that he stuck with his uh, I'm taking it day by day answer. Yeah, on the NFL. hasn't decided anything yet. So yeah. no, 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 uh, no firm answer on that. But, you know, he he did, as you've reported, Scott, and as anybody that's on social media probably saw, he did go home to Canada, mm-hmm. spent some time um, home before coming here. And uh, it sounds like he's going to go back um, before school starts. And yeah, I mean, they'll they'll obviously be. Um, a, a decision to be made. I mean, he knows that. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. And, um, you know, he, I, I, I think, you know, sometimes you know that guys are considering this and you think, oh boy, I hope they get good advice. I hope, right. you know, I hope this, right. I hope that. Because you just kind of wonder, okay, how, you know, how is this, how is this guy positioned? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Chuba Hubbard's going to decide. I have no earthly idea. But, I can tell you his personality just on his own 
for a 20-year-old is pretty darn solid. Right. And so it's not to say he might not be swayed one way or another or, you know, feel torn or whatever, but I don't think he suffers fools. I don't think right. he's going to have somebody like swoop in and start to say something one way or another crazy. Right. I think he's going to make a pretty educated decision at the end of the day. And in my very minimal dealings with his mother, she seems very, um, very, well, very protective, obviously. Um, trying to look for the word that to, to describe it. Very, she's very cautious. It's very cautious, and and she's definitely the type who is going to have all the best information available to her to to help in in making this decision. Uh, we'll say that I I did reach out for her, to, to her. Um, I wrote uh, in a story that published on Christmas Day about Tylen Wallace and his NFL decision through his mom's eyes. I my original hope was that Chuba's Chuba's mom, Candace Hubbard, would participate as well. She didn't want to, and that's perfectly fine, no problem. But um, I did reach out to her, and uh, you know, she thanked me for for asking, but she but she declined. And so, um, you know, it sounds like uh, sounds like both Chuba and Tylen are sort of on the the same kind of timetable. Um, Tylen went home right before they came to the bowl game. He'll go home again uh, after the game. And uh, I think they, I think it's January 8th that they ultimately have to be back uh, to, to be back in school. If, uh, if that is what they're, they so choose January 20th is the date that they have to announce their NFL decision by if they are uh, planning to leave. So um, sounds like they're, uh, they're both in the same Situation in terms of figuring out what uh, what they want to do and how they're and how they're going to do it, um, but um, like I said, in both instances, I've dealt with um, family members on on uh, in, on both sides, and uh, they both seem to be on really solid ground in in terms of what they're surrounded by. So, yeah. no, I think I, I would I would agree, and just their their personalities and their yeah. you know you can you can sense that even if you haven't. Right. You know, talk to parents. They, you know, you can, you can feel that that's part of their upbringing is just how, I mean, for both of those guys to have been as dynamic and amazing as they have been on the field. And so, you know, I mean, I know some people, we talk about, you know, well, they're so humble and this, that, and the other, but those two guys really, I mean, there's just not a lot of, of, you know, shine on those guys um, when they come in and sit down, you know, they're just, it really isn't about me and this and that. And, you know, that could, that'd be real easy for either of them to get that way. And I don't, I've never really gotten that sense from either of those guys. So they may, they may be, you know, by this time, this weekend, you know, we may hear from both of them that they're gone right, or that they're staying. And, but I think, I think it'll be a decision that has been, um, Pretty well thought out by both yeah. of them. Really quickly before we take a break, do you have uh, do you have a, a, a leaning either way on uh, on either guy at this point? I you know it'd probably just be a guess. I always tend to think that running backs, if they're close, they're going to go mm-hmm. just because the shelf life is so yeah. darn short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as I mentioned before, I don't know that the grades. I mean, my guess is that Chuba is probably in a mid range. Yeah. It, it would be my guess. Right. Um, but not a lot of running backs get taken real high. No. The NFL just does not, even though they all need them and they want great ones, mm-hmm. they generally don't draft them real high. Yeah. 
So I'm not sure that that that's going to sway him. I, I I just think the amount of carries he had this year, I I don't I just don't know that. I mean, not that he can't do it again, mm-hmm. but I just think I, I think I would probably feel more safe guessing he would go than yep. not. And Tylen, I don't. I mean, that's just so hard to know with the injury. Yep. You know, he was so dynamic beforehand, and guys have done it recently because modern medicine is so freaking amazing. You know, these guys come back and they're fine, and you don't mm-hmm. even know anything's wrong. Yeah. So I, I'm a little more. Do you have a sense on either of them? You. I'm, I lean with you on Chuba, and I've, I, I've sort of felt the same way with uh, with running backs. There's only so many hits that body's going to take, and, uh, and 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 you're done. And so I think you, uh, you you cash that check while you can. With with Tylen, I sort of felt like the injury was was the timing of the injury, being that he's going to have to miss. Can't he won't be able to go to the combine. Won't be able to do pro day. And there are so many good receivers in this class. I felt that that was going to uh, to drag him down in terms of his projection. Not 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 any of his fault, but um, but I, I felt that he was going to dip because of that. And I and I sort of sort of thought that that might lead him back after visiting with his mom. She didn't uh, she didn't necessarily say that in 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 those terms. But she did give off the impression that before the injury, they were they were pretty strongly leaning toward going. And this and this has has really, uh, really shaken up the decision making process. That's that seems really. Uh, I mean, I I can see that playing out exactly as you say. The thing that's interesting with Tylen has nothing to do with Tylen and everything to do with Trayson, because yeah. that's that's one of those. You don't know how does that factor in. Right. The exactly. fact that Trayson had to walk away from football because of recurring knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Now Tylen's dealing with it. And, you know, that could have been anybody else's brother. Right. You know, it could have happened to anybody. Mm -hmm. But it's his brother. It's his twin. He's basically living it vicariously through Trayson. Does that, one way or another, and I'm not saying which way, it would seem to me to say you go if you worry about that. But that's one of those variables that... You know, you're not. Most people aren't dealing with an identical twin, right? Yeah, who's had who's had injury history that is now the injury you're dealing with. Yeah, it's just a strange set of circumstances, and I'm not sure how that factors in, but I have to think it does because they're way too close for it not to have some sort of yeah mental sway one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll wrap this up talking a little bit about the uh, the football game itself that is about to be played here in Houston. This is the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. All right, Jenny. 
This is uh, this is it's a weird game because this is this is Texas A and M. It's a program we uh, we we paid attention to so closely for so long and um, feels so disconnected now. They've changed coaches twice. Uh, the players walked into the room, and I had familiarized myself with the roster um, enough that I knew who the punter was, and he was one of the guys who walked in the room. That was impressive, by the <laughs> way. I was like, oh, my gosh, Scott knows everything about Texas A&M because he knows the punter. Yeah, he was the only guy other than Jimbo Fisher that I that I even recognized the name. So um, I, had I to, knew more of the media some... PR guys than I did the right. players yes, and anybody exactly. else. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, so this is uh, it, it feels it feels a little strange, a lot like Missouri last year, you know, so many new names and faces and and all of that, but uh, but a program that you're you're used to seeing Oklahoma State play against. Um, how what's what side of that do you come down on? Because this is the fourth time in seven years that Oklahoma State has played a former Big Twelve team. You uh, a fan of uh, of these matchups uh, occurring or uh, or no? I do like them, but it, it's it's a little bit odd that it has become sort of a, a, a thing for Oklahoma State because, yeah. you know, you look at some of the bowl matchups out there and, you know, there's just – there's fun ones everywhere that, you know, teams that aren't normally going to play each other are playing each other. And mm-hmm. so you doing, doing the whole, like um, – uh, Oklahoma State had, you know, it played Indiana in a bowl game one year. It played Alabama in a bowl game one year. Right. Uh, Oregon, I think, was a bowl game yes. one year. I mean, teams that you could play, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe not, maybe hasn't happened, maybe isn't expected to happen on your advanced schedule. So the fact that, I mean, they played in 2011, mm-hmm. so not last year or anything, but, you know, people still remember 2011. A lot of people remember that season. So I don't mind the old Big 12 foe matchups, but it's kind of weird that Oklahoma State has fallen into that kind of sweet spot a little bit. Right. And it's it's not even that it's all SEC because Colorado's right. in there, and right. you know, so yeah. it's all it's kind of a weird it's kind of weird how that's happened for them. Yeah, I just keep waiting for you know the Big 12 and the Big 10 don't have a bowl alliance right now. As soon as that happens, OSU and Nebraska, Nebraska. are going to end up playing each other. You know that's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to require Nebraska getting to a bowl game. Yes, Scotty. that's uh, that's a uh, that's a whole different uh, that's a whole different podcast they, right there. If they do have a, a Big Ten Big Twelve matchup, you can guarantee it's coming to those two because yeah. it's time for the Mike Gundy, you know, uh, revenge tour. Yeah, <laughs> you yes. left the Big Twelve. I'm coming for you, exactly, or something. But yeah, yes. it, it's it, it's a little strange that it's happened that way, but. Um, I don't mind it because they have changed so much. Yeah. I mean, A and M, it feels totally different. I yeah. mean, we we obviously, you know, you pay attention to it when you've got, especially in our state. You know, it was usually two games a year: OSU once and OU once, and um, sometimes more. You know, if they were still in the Big Twelve, there's a mm-hmm. chance you would have seen them maybe in a Big Twelve championship game every now and again. Um, so it, it it does feel familiar, but yet at the same time, I can't remember the last time I watched a. Texas A&M game for more than you know maybe five or ten minutes yeah just I mean then they've had some good ones I mean they they play they played Clemson um you know they've had some really tight games some interesting games I think the most Texas A&M I watched was that seven overtime game that they had a year ago last year right? yeah that mm-hmm. last week of the regular season yeah. um I watched probably at least half of those overtimes because yeah. Uh, we were busy at the end of our game that night, and uh, that may be the most I've watched Texas A&M in the last couple of years. That was uh, that was quite a game, but yeah, it's, it is strange that you you know get so used to seeing them all the time, and you know feel like you know everything about them, and then they're still there, right? Haven't moved, mm-hmm. but it feels like they're a world away. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I know I said we were going to talk about the game, and, and I'll get around to it eventually. But, um, you know, I did, I did the story earlier, uh, uh, about a week ago, I guess, uh, on looking back at the 2011 game. And I'm going through photos of that game. You know, we had two photographers there, and you know, we had we had these wide stadium shots. And I I, I felt so sad about how much I miss Kyle Field because that was such a cool place. It's a great stadium. If you've never been, I know it can't be for an Oklahoma State game or a Big Twelve game, but go to Kyle Field mm-hmm. sometime. Find a game that it's going to be may not be 100% full because I'm not sure that they're as fired up now as they were right. yeah. uh, maybe back in those days. But um, go when it's going to be a big crowd, and you'll have some fun. That is that is quite a venue to go to. Yeah. The Big 12 really lost some cool atmospheres because Colorado was always a, fu- a fun trip. Uh, Missouri was, was unique and, uh, and, and different in its own way. And uh, Nebraska, obviously, was, yeah. uh, you know, well, it was a different time in Nebraska back yeah. then. But, yeah. but still, uh, good stuff. But... Anyway, uh, moving on to uh, to the game itself, you and I uh, sort of discussed this in the office the other day after Mike Gundy uh, first uh, uh, played the first verse of uh, of his familiar song. We're going to play both quarterbacks. Uh, you weren't buying it so much. Have you uh, have you have you changed at all in your uh, view of that? Your analysis of the situation made me inch more more to your side, but not a hundred percent to your side. Yeah. Um, we've heard this whole, you know, we don't know, we're going to play two, we're going to see. And it rarely has happened. I yeah. mean, they walked right up to the edge at the beginning of this season. And then it became apparent after about five minutes that they were never going to play two quarterbacks. Right. Spencer Sanders was their guy. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, and, and you know, the reasons for doing that are, are many. I get it. You keep the opponent guessing. You keep both guys engaged. Mm-hmm. You don't potentially lose one to a transfer, although Drew Brown a little bit different in that regard, being yeah. a grad transfer already. But, I mean, I get why you do that. But I you, you made some great points about maybe why you do it now as opposed to the start of the season. It does make more sense, even though I don't know if I'm buying it yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm not completely sold that it's actually going to happen, but it. I can. I can see where you know, having not put as much strain on Spencer Sanders as you would have uh, if you uh, if you were throwing him right back into that number one spot when he came back uh, on December. I think sixteenth was when he first got back to practice. Um, you know, Drew Brown has obviously earned the respect. Of, uh, of his teammates to be voted a captain uh, at the end of the year, uh, which a uh, quick explanation there um, because the, the, the captaincy thing throws people off a lot. Um, coaches choose game day captains throughout the regular season. When the regular season is over, the team votes on who they think are deserving of being the captains based on the entire year. Uh, and then those are the guys that will get their name up on the wall and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, which, different, different teams do it different. Yeah, exactly. Some, some do a vote before the season. Right. Some the coaches pick before the season. So, yeah. and you know, there's, so there's all sorts of methods. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting way to do it, and it does sort of build in that whole body of right. work, which just have to have Drew Brown, you said it, I think we've probably talked about it too, you know, to have him be a guy that was largely a reserve this season, mm-hmm. be picked as a captain, says a lot about how his teammates feel about him and yeah. and speaks volumes to how he handled not being the starter, yeah. which we know is hard, but, you know, he handled it in a way that he did not lose 
favor with his teammates, and that says a lot. Yeah, it does. And so I can see wanting to reward that with some playing time here in uh, in the bowl game too. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll see how far they uh, they get into the game. See who takes the first snap and uh, uh, and all of those sorts of things. Um, I we ran out of time with Gundy. The six minute clock ran down too fast. <laughs> but uh, but he, he he was talking about Drew Brown and and he made the comment today that uh, uh, at quarterback you only play one guy. Most of the time, and I wanted to know. Uh, what do about you, now? Do you have some plans? Do you have some plans in uh, in place? He likes to pull out some extra trick plays in uh, in bowl games. So, yeah. so maybe that's uh, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's how he how they play too is uh, to run them both out there at the same time a few times. Who yeah, knows? my favorite my favorite bowl game of all time was the was it the Cactus Bowl back in the day? When I believe that Jay- was the name of it. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's changed names, and now I can't remember. But uh, the James Castleman uh, mm-hmm. game essentially is how I remember it. Yes. He, he, he busts off a couple offensive plays. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a defensive guy that, you know, is Malcolm Rodriguez, is he a potential? He played some quarterback, right? He played right? some quarterback, yeah. So, you know, maybe a guy like that. Uh, you know, I, that, that would be fun. I mean, I think bowl games are, yeah, I think it's a reward. Yeah. Um, I think you want to play well. I don't think you want to, you know, stink it up. I mm-hmm. don't think that that's, that's good for anybody to, to see this as a – non-game or whatever right um but i do think that there's a chance to maybe do some stuff that you know maybe you've just been toying around with and who knows i mean we've we've seen a little bit of gadgetry from sean gleason in his first season as Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator but at the same time there's been a lot of adjustment periods you know losing tile and how are you going to make up for that losing spencer how are you going to make up for that so there hasn't sort of been every time you sort of maybe thought well maybe now they're getting a little more comfortable a little more comfortable they've had something happen. And so it'll be interesting to see with, with this prep time that they've had and potentially two quarterbacks that are capable um, and, you know, worthy in, in some regards to be out there, you know, how do they use them and what do they do? I think it could be, I don't know if we're going to go back to cactus bowl days, but right. it could be, could be fun on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last thing I'll throw in before we'll, uh, we'll uh, get to our, our picks for the game and uh, and wrap this thing up. Uh, the most interesting thing that I that I didn't get a chance to really write about this week, Texas A&M has one scholarship running back who is going to be suited up for this game, and, and wow. he's a true freshman, Isaiah Spiller. He's been their uh, their go to guy all year. Uh, has uh, almost 900 yards rushing, uh, and obviously the leading rusher by by quite a bit, but. That is uh, that is a serious lack of uh, of depth at the running back position when you're no running kidding. a true freshman out there, in uh, in that spot. I uh, I had to go pull up uh, pull up our, our picks on uh, on the uh, uh, on my phone here because I couldn't remember exactly what uh, what I what I had picked. Um, but uh, the only but, reason I know is because I had to send in my uh, my pick for for our uh, for our rail tomorrow, and so yeah. I, I I know mine only because of that, Scott. Um, so well, well let's uh, let you go first, and then uh, Oklahoma State, the uh, the underdog in this game. Yep, yep. I got them winning by by ten. I got thirty one twenty one was my pick. Um, might be a little bit big of a spread. I maybe should maybe more like a touchdown is what I'm thinking. Uh, is is close, but you know I think some of the things we've talked about. You know uh, Texas A and M being without one of their anchors defensively, mm-hmm. um, maybe needing to to lean on a pretty thin running back core. Yeah. You know, I mean, Oklahoma State doesn't have every weapon at its disposal, obviously. They're without Colby Harvell Peel. Um, you know, they're what are they what's the quarterback situation look like? You know, Tylen Wallace is not available. I mean, like there are some things when you look at it, it's not it's not a 
full deck for Oklahoma State yep. either. But I think that they've I think they've got um, I think they've got enough weapons to 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 get after A and M. Um, and it's gonna I'm really interested to see. You know, obviously there's so much talk about offense. You and I write about offense a lot, Scott. And and you know, I mean that's people are interested in that. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma State's defense, this is a defense that has been really, really good the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see, uh, uh, you know, what are they able to do after some prep time against a Texas A&M offense that is going to be thin in the run game. Can they defend the way, I mean, can A.J. Green, can Rodarius Williams, a couple guys that, you know, have made some pretty good names for themselves, can Mm -hmm. they show against SEC, you know, pass catchers who all tend to be big mm-hmm. can they can they do what they have done most of the season i just think there's a lot of intrigue uh in what oklahoma state's defense is able to do and i think they're i think they may surprise uh a&m a little bit i mean they've obviously seen the film right but most people don't think about oklahoma state's defense being all that great right. or defense in the big 12 i mean that's sort of a residual of the league but Oklahoma State defensively has really gotten, you know, they've found some solid footing. So I'll be really curious to see how they how they perform against an SEC opponent. Yeah, me too. I think that they've got the talent to um, to make Texas A&M one-dimensional, make things really difficult for Kellen Mond. I think the defense and then I think Chuba Hubbard comes to play and has a big day. And uh, defense and run game in a game like this, I think gets you to to victory. I'm uh, I'm right there in the same ballpark as you, uh, points wise. I think 30 to 24 was my pick. So, um, so I think we're, it's right in that uh, in that range. But defense and run game, I think uh, I think seals the day for uh, for Oklahoma State on Friday. And with that, we will wrap it up here on the Cowboy Chronicles, which as always is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast.